How many of you here this morning have kids? Raise your hand. All right. Awesome. How many of you have ever been kids? Raise your hand. (laughs) I think we can all kind of relate to the fact that sometimes getting a kid to do what you want them to do can be frustrating at times like cleaning the room or taking out trash or whatever it may be. Sometimes it's difficult to get uh, uh, the kids on the same page that we're on. Matter of fact, sometimes it's hard to get kids even on the same book that we're on, right? And so, uh, you know, Lynette and I, Lynette's my wife, for those of you that may be visiting, we had, we had twin boys. And uh, Dan and Tiffany here on the front row with twin girls. And I just can't wait to see the next 18 years in your life. Uh, <laughs> It's awesome right now. Right now you have them controlled in the carriers and they're strapped in and there's a day that they're going to be able to unstrap themselves and so be ready for that. But we have twin boys and they're 23 now, but uh, Hayden and Hunter have been up here leading worship for us this morning, but I just want to use them as an example today. Uh, not that, you know, they would ever be this way or anything like this would ever happen. But, but anyway, let's say, uh, let me give you an example of, let's say I asked Hayden, uh, one of the twins, to do something for me. All right, let's say I asked him to do something for me, and he said, sure, Dad, you know, I'll take care of that for you, no problem. And let's say that I asked his brother, Hunter, uh, to do something for me, and so Hunter, you know, he just goes and does what, what I asked him to do without any problem. Uh, now, based on what you know, based on what I've told you, each one of them has honored their dad, right? I mean, from, from based off the information that we have in front of us at this time, they both honored uh, their father. But if I told you that the one who said he was going to go do that for me actually never went and did it, all right, would he still be a child that was honoring his dad? Help me. Huh? No, probably not, right? I mean, if they said they would, they, they would do it, but actually never did it, then they would not be being obedient, and they would not be honoring uh, their father at, at that point, right? So with that being said, is it fair to say that our actions is more important than what we say? Okay, would you? I mean, we'd, we'd all agree to that. So let me give you another scenario. Let's say that I asked Hayden to take the garbage out, and he did. And he knew that it pleased me when he did that. And so because he knew that it pleased his dad, he just decided that he was going to take it out every week after that, right? And just do it without even being asked. Do you believe that honors his dad? Sure, absolutely it does. Man, that's awesome. What if he took it out for the first time, though, but he never, ever, ever took it out again? Would that honor his dad? When he did it the first time, kind of, yeah, but now really not so much, right? And all of you are smart people, and I'm sure you can see where I'm headed with this, (laughs) right? But the same thing holds true when it comes to us honoring our father, right? He's our father. We're his kids. And so we're going to talk about what it looks like 
uh, to do that this morning on this movement that we've been learning about all summer. We don't just honor God on this movement by saying, I'm on the movement, right? That's not what it's all about, being on the movement. That, you know, it's not all about just saying that we're going to do something. Our actions have to show that. Would you agree? All right, and just because we're obedient to God at some time in our past, right, just because we did it once and, oh, okay, we're good now, so we never, ever have to do that again, right, just because we've been obedient to God in our past but we don't continue to do it, are we still honoring our Father? Hmm. All right, and so today as we continue to focus on what this movement looks like, uh, we're going to see an example, I believe, of this here in Acts chapter 10. And, and what we've been doing over the past several weeks is taking a look at the early church, seeing how it all began, how it all started here in the book of Acts. We see that. Uh, and it didn't begin as, uh, you know, the church didn't begin as a building. It didn't begin as an event, but it began as a movement. And so it was a movement that, you know, people uh, over a 2,000-year period has continued to keep going and keep moving across uh, our land and around this world. And we've been seeing what the movement looks like as we follow uh, Jesus, as his church, as the body of Christ. Uh, We've been seeing what it looks like to continue this movement of Jesus in our church, in our community, and all around the world. And so we've been seeing... Uh, Cool stories all throughout this. We've seen story after story after story of how Jesus impacted just common folks, just common people, ordinary people that he would take and through their, their surrendering to the Holy Spirit and the power of the Holy Spirit that came upon them, they were just ordinary common people that could do some extraordinary things, right? Extraordinary things. And so this morning, we're going to meet another guy here in the book of Acts. Uh, Interesting story. Love this guy. A guy by the name of Cornelius. And what we're going to be seeing today is how Cornelius honored God. uh, Basically, by just taking the next steps that God uh, would put before him uh, on his journey. And my prayer is this morning is that we'll be encouraged by Cornelius this morning to honor God with our next step as we go on our journey with Jesus as well. So I want to pick it up at verse 1. It's where we're introduced to him here. Chapter 10 of Acts, uh, verse number 1 says this. At Caesarea, there was a man named Cornelius, a centurion in what was known as the Italian regiment. He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those who were in need, and he prayed to God regularly. All right, I want to stop right there because we see right off the bat here that Cornelius, hey, he's a great guy. I mean, he's a, he's a good guy. He wasn't part of the opposition that we've seen, you know, and, and there's been a lot of opposition that, that rose up against the movement back here, and he wasn't, you know, he wasn't part of that. He and his family were devout. God-fearing people who were generous to the needy, uh, and they prayed regularly. And, and as you study his life, as you look at the life of Cornelius, what we see him to, to be a, a real and authentic person. And probably a lot of people like Cornelius. They, they probably liked him because he was a genuinely good person, right? Because most of us like people who are genuine. Most of us like people who are authentic. We like good people, right? I mean, we just do. We like good people. We'd rather be around good people than grouchy people, right? I, I mean, we just, we're drawn to people 
who are nice folks and, and good folks. And, and so I want to break this down this morning, and, and I want to see what it was exactly that made Cornelius a good guy, a, a great guy. And the first thing we see in verse number 2 is that Cornelius was obviously a very religious man. Verse 2 says, He and all his family were devout and God-fearing. All right? He and his family were devout. Uh, One definition uh, of devout is this. Someone who is earnestly devoted to someone or they're earnestly devoted to a religion. So, this morning, as we think of Cornelius as this really religious guy, all right, he was a devout, God-fearing man. He was a religious guy. What comes to your mind when you think of what a religious man would look like? Or what comes to your mind when you think of what a religious woman would look like? I want you to just picture that in your mind for just a second. Because I thought about it, and I thought, what would a religious man look like? Well, maybe it's someone who every time you go to church, they're always there. Right, And you would think of them as a religious person because you've never been to church a time when you didn't see them there. Maybe it's someone who you know, volunteers in the church and they're willing to do things in the church. They, they may even have a, a Greenbrier Nazarene sticker on the back of their car window. Right? And I'm just telling you, if you don't have one on the back of your car window, you're just not cool. All right? uh, because it, you, you, you're either one of us or you're against us. No, I'm kidding. But they're available. I don't even know where they're available, but we have them available. And uh, every time I you drive bad, I peel mine off and somebody puts one back on it. So I don't even know where they come from. But maybe a religious person has their little GN sticker. Uh, I, I saw, speaking of stickers, I was following a car the other day. And it was a shame that I read this because the print was so small. And it, and it basically said this, are you following Jesus as closely as you're following me? And you could only read it if you were like right there on them. I mean, it was the funniest thing ever. And I like slammed on my brakes. Like, oh, uh, I don't know. Maybe religious people have stickers like that. Maybe, you know, maybe religious people have a GN coffee cup and, you know, they drink it wearing their GN t-shirt. Or maybe you picture religious people and you picture someone that's dressed up in a suit and tie. Huh? Yeah, and, you know, a guy. And you, you picture him in a suit and tie, or maybe a, a religious woman would be wearing a, a modest dress uh, that didn't expose shoulders and covered the knees. You know, maybe that's what a religious person looks like. Uh, and, and, they, and they they pray. Religious people pray in the King James Version, Right? Thou, holy God, thou was said to it. You know, and they, you've heard people pray like that. I think it's awesome. I don't even know how they do it. I can barely read King James Version, let alone speak in it. And, and, and I'm kind of joking, all right? I'm kind of making light of what we might think a religious person looks like. But this is not really the picture that I have of Cornelius as he is described as a devoutly uh, religious person. First off is this. Cornelius didn't even go to church. But yet he was considered to be a devout, God-fearing man. And the reason I know he didn't go to church is because Cornelius was a Gentile and he would not have been allowed in the temple, in the Jewish temple. So he wasn't considered to be devout and God-fearing because he went to church all the time because he wasn't allowed to. Second thing, he was a centurion. Uh, He was a man that had a lot of responsibilities 
And so he just couldn't sit around in some meditative trance praying all day. You know, he had other things to do, other things going on in his life. So what does it mean to be a religious person according to God's word? Well, it says he and all his family were devout and God-fearing. And he gave generously to those in need. So we see a man who was compassionate. We see a man here who practiced what he believed uh, about God. Being religious is not just about going to church or dressing or looking a a particular way. Being a devout follower uh, of Jesus Christ means practicing what we believe about God. Right, Living it out as we've been seeing throughout these past few weeks. Living it out in our words and in our deeds, Scripture speaks to. James uh, says this about religion in James chapter 1, verse 27. It says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and, fa- and faultless is this. To look after orphans and widows in their distress. And to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. See, that's, that, that's kind of what Cornelius was doing. He, he was giving to the poor. He was helping those who were in need, the widows and the orphans. And if you look down at, at verse 4 there in chapter 10, it tells us that it was a memorial offering to God when he would do these things and when he would give. And up to this point, Cornelius, he had only been given, given very limited knowledge about who God was, but he was faithful to what God had revealed to him up until this point. And, and it was just a basic understanding for him. He knew that there was a God. He believed that there was a God. And since Cornelius understood that there was a God, he knew that he should worship him in some form, shape, or fashion, right? Because he knew that there was a God. He knew that he should be worshipped. So how did he worship God? By loving other people. By loving other people with his actions and how he lived his life. And I think too often, you know, we think of worship or we think of giving honor to God and think that it's done by singing a song. Or we think that it's done by what radio station we listen to in our, in our car or our truck. But true worship is practiced day in and day out by loving other people with our lives. And loving other people by our actions. 1 John chapter 4 verse 20 and 21 says, Whoever claims to love God yet hates a brother or sister is a liar. For whoever does not love their brother and sister whom they have seen cannot love God whom they have not seen. And he has given us this command. Anyone who loves God must also love their brother and sister. Cornelius acted on what he knew to be true. He acted on what he believed. He believed that people should help people. He believed that it was his job. He didn't believe it was somebody else's job. He didn't believe that it was the government's job. He didn't believe that it was a political party's job. He believed it was his job to love on people and to help them. Right? He was living in an example of what James goes on to talk about in chapter 2, verse 14. What good is it, my brothers, if a man claims to have faith but has no deeds? Can such faith save him? Suppose a brother or sister is without clothes and daily food. If one of you says to him, go, I wish you well, keep warm and well fed, but they do nothing about his physical needs, what good is that? 
In the same way, faith by itself, if it is not accompanied by what? Action is what? It's dead, right? Oh, I wish you the best, you know? And so true faith, true worship, true religion will be active, And so it's that active religion that Cornelius practiced here. And so I believe the question that we all have to ask ourselves at this point, just back up, slow down, is your religion active? Is it active? Are you living it out? Are you living out what you say you believe? Are you living out who you say that you are? In your words and in your deeds, are we spending, you know, so often, and you see this on social media, and it's getting on my very last nerve. If it wasn't for needing to just stay in contact with some people, it's the only way I can find out some of you are in the hospital, actually, is when you post a selfie of you in a hospital bed. All right, so I I stay on it just to kind of keep up with where y'all are and what y'all are at and which bar you're visiting on Saturday night. And so, but anyway... What, I'm, what, I, what I find, and not just on social media, but even just being around people in general, it seems that we spend more time worrying about what somebody else is doing than what we're doing. We spend more time worrying about what somebody else has not done that we think they should have done than worrying about what we ought to be doing ourselves. We spend a lot of time worrying about everybody else and what they're doing and what they're not doing when God has called us to do something that we say that we're doing and we're hardly ever doing it, all right? And, and so, you know, uh, are, we, are, are we living this out or are we just talking about it? And are we asking ourselves, am I doing what I should be doing? Am I doing what I was called to do? Am I doing what I say I believe? Am I living a life that reflects that? I say I'm a Christ follower. Do I look like a Christ follower? Right? Or, or, and so Cornelius, this is, this is who he was. This is what we see. He was a doer. He was active. He was a man who lived out his beliefs instead of just talking about it or praying for someone else to do it. You know, we often pray that, you know, someone, God, we pass somebody on the side of the road that needs help, and we start praying, God, send someone to help them as we drive right past. Right? Cornelius, not Cornelius, he was a doer. He was active. And and on this movement, you know, we need to be the same way. We as Christians need to be putting our faith into practice and helping those who are in need. All right? And that means giving. Oh, you knew knew I was going to... When you saw giving in the Scripture, you knew I wasn't just going to jump right over it. Huh? Yes, it means giving. Giving generously like Cornelius did. Are we practicing what we say we believe? Are we, are we living out who we say we are? Are we givers? Are we generous givers? Think back to my opening illustration. We honor our Father by doing the things He asks us to do. That's how we honor our dad. Now listen, the early service this morning, they left here all offended. All right, just so you know, they, they're not near as good of Christians as y'all are, okay? So I understand that. But when they left this morning, I mean, I even had one person say, she wasn't coming back next Sunday if I was going to get on her like, like I did this morning. I'm like, I wasn't even talking to you. I thought you were a good Christian, but now you just fessed up. <laughs> Fake. All right? So that's just the early service. I mean, it's how they are. But uh, none, of, none of y'all are like that. 
But we honor, we honor our Father by doing the things that He's asked us to do. Right? So Scripture says in verse 2, He and all His family were devout and God-fearing. He gave generously to those in need. And He prayed to God regularly. Cornelius was a praying man. And he prayed to God regularly. And, and here's what I know about people who pray regularly. They recognize that they need God's help. People who pray regularly understand and realize, hey, you know what? I'm not that great. <laughs> I'm not that strong. I don't have it all together. I'm not Jesus, but he is, and I need his help. And I need his help all day, every day, in everything that I do. You know, and, and praying people recognize that they are helpless and that they need God's help in their lives. And so if we're going to be devout you know, the way that Cornelius was, then we'll be praying people. Not just praying at meals and, and, and before bed when we go to sleep at night. It'll be a way of life. Paul said, and we're all familiar with this scripture, First Thessalonians 5 and 17, he says that we're to pray continually. You know, being in constant communication with God all throughout the day. And I have people, I've had people, you know, ever since I've been in ministry going, you know, I, I just can't do that. I just don't understand that. How do I do that? I've got a job. I've got to go to school. I've got these kids. You know, I just can't sit around and pray all day. Well, honestly, it's pretty simple, all right? And, and it's pretty easy. Once you understand that God is always with you, and God is constantly with you in every single thing that you do, and you need help, right? Once you understand that he's always there, and you need the help, and he's with you, so if he's with me, hey, God, help me make this decision, right? Help me make this decision that I'm about to make. Hey, God, how can I honor you right now when my coworker is really being a jerk this morning and Steve wants to kick him in the teeth, you know? But God, how can I somehow minister to this person? Help me in this situation. It's just this state of realizing that he is with you and he wants to help you and you're just seeking him for that help all throughout the day, right? And I'm sorry if I seem to oversimplify things, but it is that simple. It's simple enough that even a child can understand it, okay? And, and so, you know, God didn't make all this complicated, so it'd have to be a puzzle that we have to figure out, say all the words the right way or in the right order or, you know, with the right, you know, connotations or whatever. It's, it's simple enough that, that we can do it and we should do it when we understand we can't, he can, he's here, please help, right? That's prayer. That's pl praying continually. And understanding that he's with us every day. Now Cornelius, he was not only a religious man, uh, according to the scripture, but according to his friends, we also see that they thought of Cornelius as a good man. Skip on down to verse 22 there. It says, the men replied, we've come from Cornelius the centurion. He is a righteous and God-fearing man who is respected by all the Jewish people. All right, Cornelius, don't miss this. Great guy. Great guy. Good man. And he had gained the respect of those that were around him because he was a good guy. And, and this morning, I, I would just ask you, how would you describe, what kind of person would you describe as being a good person? All right? Well, more than likely, it would be someone probably we would think of that lives their lives out of respect for other people. Right? They're respectful of others. Uh, maybe... Uh, someone who is always willing to help others out, you know, sacrificial, 
willing to, to help others out. They're probably friendly people. They're probably very considerate people. And I'm sure that you have friends or family members that maybe, the, you know, the, their name or, or, you know, picture of them's already popped in your mind. You have friends. You know people that are good people. Or better yet, maybe this describes you. I hope it does. I hope it does describe you this morning. But just a side note here, if you call yourself a good person and you're a grouch, no one else believes you, okay? So just saying that. Uh, anyway, but Cornelius was a good person. Uh, he honored God with his life. He honored God with his actions. And that's what you do when you live out what you say you believe. So we see that Cornelius was a religious man. We see that he was a great guy. We see that he was a good man. But here comes the shocker of this entire story this morning. Even though Cornelius was a religious man and a good man, according to Scripture, Cornelius was a lost man. We'd have never guessed that, right? But in the next chapter, I want you to look at what Peter adds to this story about Cornelius. Now, Cornelius had had this vision about inviting Peter to come to his house and all this. And here's what Peter says about it over in the next chapter, chapter 11, verse 13. He said, he told us how he had seen an angel appear in his house and say, Send a Joppa for Simon, who is called Peter. He will bring you a message through which you and all your household will be saved. So what does that say to us? Cornelius was a good guy, but he was lost. Cornelius was a great guy. He was devout. He was religious. But he was lost. He's living a good life. He's living a devout religious life. And don't miss this. Being religious and being good is not good enough. All right? Because... Cornelius wasn't saved. He wasn't actually a part of the movement. So wait a minute, Steve. You mean to tell me that we can be a religious person and we can be a good person but still not make it to heaven? That's exactly right. That's exactly right because no matter how hard we try to be religious or how much we try to live a good life, the bottom line is this. We are still sinners in need of a Savior. And because we have sinned against God, we are separated from Him, Scripture tells us. We're separated from Him. But thankfully, there is good news. Peter had that good news. And that's what he was going to Cornelius' house to share with Cornelius and all his family. It was good news for Cornelius. It was good news for his family. It's good news for you. And it's good news for me. God has not left us without hope. He has made salvation. And eternity in heaven is available to everyone in the entire world, including you, including me, and including Cornelius. And in Cornelius' case, and in many people's cases, as we are faithful with the knowledge that God has given us, right? He gives us even more. But here's the bottom line this morning. It is how we respond to the knowledge that we have. It's how we respond to what he has called us to do and what we feel like that he's asking us to do in our hearts and our lives. It's how we respond to that that shows whether we honor him or not. Kind of like the taking out the trash, right? It's not about what you say you're going to do. It's not about what you say you are, all right, or what you say you believe. And it's not about, 
It's also not about something that you did in the past. Okay? It's not about something that you did a long, long time ago when you were a little kid. All right? How we respond and act on the knowledge that we have right now determines if we are honoring our Father or not right now. I mean, he took the trash out six years ago, but he hadn't done it since. See what I'm saying? How are we responding right now in our next steps on this journey and on this movement? And how we respond and act on the knowledge that we have determines whether we're honoring God or whether we're not. The question is, are we willing to listen not only with our ears but with our hearts? Because that's what Cornelius did. Go back to chapter 10. I want to pick it up at verse 30 now. Cornelius answered, three days ago I was in my house praying this hour at three in the afternoon. Suddenly a man in shining clothes stood before me and said, Cornelius, God has heard your prayer and remembered your gifts to the poor. Verse 32 goes on to say, So send a Joppa for Simon, who's called Peter. He's a guest in the home of Simon the Tanner, who lives by the sea. So I sent for you immediately, and it was good of you to come. Now we are all here in the presence of God to listen to everything that the Lord has commanded you to tell us. I don't know it all. I don't have this knowledge. I don't know what you know, but you share with me because I want to be able to respond to it. And whatever it is. Whatever it is that I don't know about, that God wants to speak into my heart and my life today through uh, Peter. He said, I want to hear it. I want to be available to it, and I want to be able to respond to it. See, he was hungry for it. So what was it that God commanded Peter to tell Cornelius when he got to his house? Listen, it's the same message that has been told on this movement for over 2,000 years. The same message. Peter just shares the good news that, hey, Cornelius, if you will receive Jesus as your Savior, if you'll receive him as your Savior, believing that he is the Christ, that he is the living Son of God, that he died on the cross for your sins and he rose from the grave three days later, you will be forgiven of your sins and you will have eternal life. And not only do you receive the gift of eternal life, but when you honor the Son by receiving him, you're going to honor his daddy that sent him see when you when you receive jesus when you receive the son and you have honored him then you have honored the father and that's what cornelius did all he wanted to do is just honor his father and honor god and verse 44 says while peter was still speaking these words the holy spirit here it is again came upon all of those who heard the good news who heard this message of jesus his response wasn't oh peter i've heard the sermons you know his response wasn't hey listen i've honored god with everything in in the past i've honored god with everything that i've done up until this point i've done enough i'm good enough no Cornelius realized the next step for him to take was to actually to receive Jesus as his Savior. He had been doing everything that he knew to do up until this point, and now he has this, this new message, this new revelation that, hey, the only way to be saved is by accepting Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. And he did just that. That was his next step. And he joined the movement along with his family that very day. And don't miss this. His very next step after that, after receiving Christ, his next step we see in the next few verses is that he was baptized. 
I've said this over and over and over again, and I probably won't stop until y'all run me off. But no matter where you are on your journey with Jesus, there is always a next step for you to take. You have not reached your final destination. You are not finished yet. When you are finished, we will lower your dead body into the ground. So you're not done. He has a next step for you. He has something else for you that will honor him. And bring glory to him. And so the question that I will continue to ask is this. What is the next step that you need to be taking? What is your next step? Because you're not there yet. You're not finished. So what is your next step? All the way, there were next steps for Cornelius. Think about it. Right? He was giving. Next step. Praying. Next step. Serving, helping, being a great man, being obedient. Next step, receiving Christ. Next step, getting baptized. See, Cornelius' entire life is all about next steps. Because that's what our lives are. It's just a series of next steps. And I don't know what your next step is, but I do know this. There's a next step that every single one of us needs to take on this movement. It's the only way that we can walk with Jesus is by taking the next step. And maybe today your next step is like Cornelius, accepting him. You've heard the message. You've heard the good news. You've heard that, we have, uh, uh, that sin has separated us all from, from God. And the only way to bridge that gap is through the cross and what Jesus did on the cross of Calvary. And so today, your next step may be just receiving Christ, surrendering your life to Him, allowing Him to forgive you of that sin and bridging that gap for you. Maybe, maybe your next step is to get baptized like Cheyenne did here this morning. You know, maybe uh, your next step is to join the church. Maybe your next step is to start giving. You know, it seemed like that was uh, Cornelius' first step. That may be your 50th step, right? To start giving generously. Or start serving in some new way. Maybe your next step is simply removing something from your life that you know shouldn't be there. That God is not pleased with. He's not happy with. He's been putting his finger on it in your heart, in your life. You've been convicted of it. And God's saying, hey, your next step is that right there. And when we get past that, we'll go on to something else. But until you take care of that, I'm just going to leave my finger right there. All right, and maybe that's your next step. Removing something that will honor uh, your father. Whatever it is. Whatever it is. I'm, I'm praying that this will be a room full of people that will take next steps. Because that's God's plan for our lives. That's God's purpose for our lives. Because remember what we talked about earlier. We don't just honor God by saying that we're going to do something. Our actions are what show that we're honoring our father. It's about what we do, but not by what we say or our good intentions. It's by our actions that we honor our dad. And just because you were obedient to God at some point in your past does not mean that you're honoring him now. It's something that we continually do as we walk with Jesus and other believers on what is known as the movement. All right? So the question is, does your life... And the way you're living your life right now, bring honor to your dad, your heavenly father. 
Does your life continually bring honor to him by being obedient and taking the next steps that he's asking you to take? Folks, this is what the movement looks like. This is what the movement does. Will you join us? And for some of you, your next step is simply becoming a part of the movement and accepting Christ. But for others of you, your next step is simply just being obedient to whatever it is. And you know what it is. We all know what our next step is. And my prayer for you is that you have the courage, the power, and the faith to take that next step. And it'll blow your mind where God's going to take you when you do. Let me pray for you guys. God, this, this morning, it's, it's been incredible to see how you have weaved your love and weaved forgiveness into every part of this service through the songs, through the baptism, the baptism that represents the profession of faith that's made and the old becoming new, the dead being buried and resurrected to new life. God, to be hearing this message of, uh, of forgiveness and this message of grace that Peter shared with Cornelius and his family and Cornelius and his whole family accepted it. God, I, I know that there are some people here today. I, well, I know for a fact that you spoke to everyone that's here this morning in some way, shape, form, or fashion. And so, God, I pray for those today that you're speaking to about just surrendering their life to you and becoming a part of the movement. It's scary to step back and let you have full control. But God, even though it's scary, when you take control, it's a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful journey to see you at work in our lives, to see you lead and guide and direct and steer us and take us to the places that you would have us to go and to bring us in contact with the people that you would want us to come in contact with so neat to be a part of what you're doing and see you do it. And there are some people here today that simply just need to accept you and become a part of the movement, surrender their lives to you, allow you to forgive them of those sins and make their past the past. But they can have a future, a hope and a future in a relationship with you. But God, there's a lot of people here today that you're just speaking to them about their next step. Whether it's baptism, joining the church, volunteering, being a part of a small group, Sunday school class, teaching, maybe becoming a missionary or a pastor, a worship leader. God, you still call people to do your work today. And I know that you're calling people in this place to do your work here on this earth. And so I just pray that you'll find us faithful. You'll find us obedient with those next steps that you call us to. Maybe it's something that you've put your finger on that we need to give up or get rid of or not be a part of. Whatever it is, God, we can't do it in our own strength. So through the power of your Holy Spirit, help us to do that. Help us to walk away from it. Help us to turn away from it. Help us to do whatever it is that you're calling us to do right now. And, and I thank you for what you're doing in this moment, but I'm also thanking you for what you're going to do in the future because as we journey with you and we take our next steps, the journey is, is unlimited. I can't even imagine what you're going to do through a group of people that are faithful and obedient to take the next steps that you put in front of us. We want to be that. Again, I want to thank you for the invitation 
that you've extended us to be a part of what you're doing, to be a part of this movement, to be a part of the body of Christ, that you would trust us with that. Thank you for it. I pray that we would be faithful. I pray that we'd be obedient children of God that would always bring you honor. We would look for ways to honor you in our lives, in our families, and in our church. Again, God, we love you so much. Thank you for loving us enough to work in our lives and to make us more like you. It's in the powerful name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Don't forget Wednesday night.